I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's Tuesday, May 10th. This is Corner 3, presented by... Our friends at Mechdyne, the Mechdyne Corporation. Learn more about them at mechdyne.com. Hello, Scott Christofferson. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, we tried to get an interview last week. That fell through. And uh, then it got so late in the week that we said, let's just wait till next week. That's the off season, right? I mean, those sorts of things happen. Um, here we are, though. We're ready per- to talk some. We got some. We got some exciting additions to talk about. And Yeah, yeah. We're, we're persevering, you know. You just got to battle through the adversity. Uh, sometimes it's just, you know, you just got to keep, uh, keep plugging away, but it's transfer season. It's the wild West, man. Yeah, it is the wild West, you know, and then you just got to figure out everybody's just out here living day by day, you know? Um, <laughs> all right, but we've got a lot to talk about here. Uh, we have not done a podcast since Jaron Holmes, the St. Bonaventure transfer committed to Iowa state. We'll talk about his fit with the Cyclones. Talk a little bit about where the roster stands right now. Uh, and then we have Scott Christofferson's unwritten rules for the transfer portal that we'll talk about later on in the episode. And I can tell you that they're really funny because he had me laughing out loud last week as he was sending them to me. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's start with Jaron. Um, w- what do you see from him? Uh, I think everybody by this point knows, you know, what kind of player he is, about 13 points a game. Uh, shot 38% from three as a freshman, 40% from three as a, or I guess as a sophomore, and then 40% as a junior and then 27% as a senior. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how he can fit in there, but, you know, kind of in the exact mold, I think that we know Otts and the staff likes at this point. Yeah. I mean, when you watch him, you know, skilled, mature, uh, savvy, got a, you can tell he's got a feel for the game, which, um, I thought last year, one of the things that hurt this team was, uh, their offensive basketball IQ as a whole and feel for the game wasn't always in sync. And I think this is where you get these kinds of players that have been around, played for a long time, have, have taken on different roles, you know, in different years of their career and, and proven that they can shoot the ball at a high clip. They can put the ball on the floor for a couple of dribbles. I mean, these are the types of guys that I, I would think would really help move this roster forward going into next year on the offensive end. You know, he's got good length, uh, you know, between him and Jeremiah Williams, they've, they've added a couple of really nice pieces as far as their length. And I know TJ on the defensive end of the floor likes to be able to switch and put a lot of pressure on people. So I think this only helps build that. Uh, I think it's um it's not one of those additions that makes the headlines of ESPN or anything like that, 
But I think this is an addition that when we get into February and March of next year, we'll look back on this and say this is probably a little bit bigger of a land than than we really realized. I think he's just a really good, solid player, you yes. know. And I think right now in college basketball, guys who are just really good, solid players have a lot of value, you know, especially when they're guys who are veterans who have played in the NCAA tournament, have played college basketball for three years or more, uh, you know, went to the NIT, you know, I think they played late into the NIT this year. Uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, he's not a guy. Yeah. Again, he's not a guy that's going to make the front page of ESPN.com. You know, John Rothstein might not put out a, a funny tweet with a good quote, you know, or whatever, whatever John Rothstein's doing. He's like a robot, but uh, <laughs> you know, it just tweets the same things every day. But uh, he, I think he's a guy that when we look at it in, January of next year, you're like, okay, this guy was huge. You know, I think he could be like a jazz, like what jazz was for this team where, you know, when jazz committed, it wasn't breaking news across the country, you know, but after a handful of games, you could really see like, Oh man. Okay. I can see what kind of value this guy brings to this team. He knows how to get 12 to 14 a game without being a high volume shooter. Uh, you know, I said last year, you got to be able to do three things as a guard in, to, to, to play in big 12, you know, the big, you know, in the big games in the big 12, you got to be able to shoot 35 plus percent from the three, put the ball on the floor for a couple of dribbles and make a play for yourself or someone else. And you got to be able to guard. I think he checks all three of those boxes and um, it, you know, you can't ever have too many of those types of guards on your team in, in the game. So that's uh, I, I think it, it, I like what they're doing with the roster. I think, they're probably one piece away at the guard position. And I know that, you know, AJ Green's out there and that would obviously be uh, that would be a, a trump card in, in spades, but they're one more guard away, in my opinion, and probably one more big away from having a little bit more of a well-rounded roster going into next year with a little bit more offensive firepower. You know, I know that we lost a lot of guys, but I really like the the nucleus of, of role players we have returning between Gabe and Caleb um, Bob Jones and jazz. So you, you expect them to make some progressions in their game going from year one to year two with TJ. Uh, so it's, uh, it's been a tough spring, obviously losing Tyrese, but I, I think they're making their way out of this thing. And if they can get, you know, for example, that a commitment out of AJ green, I would have more optimism about next year's team than I did of last year. So they're, they're not that far away. Man. I mean, if you land AJ green, they, I think all of a sudden they would have to have one of the oldest teams in college basketball. Like everybody on the team would have played multiple years of college basketball besides the three freshmen, you know? So and I think that's going to be the new, I mean, as in the current structure of the transfer portal and NIL, I mean, if you're Iowa state and you're, you're building your roster kind of year to year, because a lot of the right. rules now just, it's a different, like building a program is different now today than it was when I played at the school. I think you're going to pick through a lot of guys from VCU, St. Bonaventure, Temple, those types of schools that have experience. So you are going to combat other programs, maybe, you know, buying players and that sort of a thing with experienced guys that are, you know, having a bunch of 10 to 14 point a game guys from other schools, put them together and, and see what you can do on a year to year basis, as far as molding them together and hope that that maturity and experience kind of helps cultivate uh, a really competitive team. Well, and you're going to have guys who are low ego that mm -hmm. are 
have a chip on their shoulder. You know, it's not guys who have ever been in the spotlight before. It's like, okay, we're stepping, you know, like even an AJ green, as good as AJ green was at Northern Iowa. Great. I mean, he's one of the best players to ever play for the Panthers, you know, a two-time Missouri Valley player of the year. He's still a guy that I think most people in college basketball don't know about, you know, because he's never been to the NCAA tournament. They've never played for the Missouri Valley championship. So it's like, when would anybody that's just a casual basketball fan, when would you have ever watched that kid, you know? And that's where I think like for someone like him, obviously his dad is like a big, would be a big piece of him coming to Iowa state, I would assume. But at the same time, you're now all of a sudden you go from where you play every game on ESPN plus, you know, uh, or whatever to, man, I'm going to get to be on ESPN every night and people are going to finally get to really see me play every game, you know, and have an opportunity to, and everybody across the country will have an opportunity to be exposed to the kind of game that he has. And you don't have to like go and seek it out in the Missouri Valley. Yeah. And you'd be the alpha playmaker on a big 12 team and, you know, whether it's right or wrong, you do what you've done at Northern Iowa, there's going to be questions about, well, can you, can you come into a league like the big 12 against that type of length of an athleticism and do what you can do? I, I think he can, um, but he would have a chance to prove that at a place like Iowa state uh, and, you know, maybe turn himself into a fringe second round projected player to like a late first early second round guy. Um, I'm sure he's weighing a lot of different things. I'm sure there's a lot of schools after him too, probably yeah. putting the same pitch on him. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're all hopeful that he, he ends up in uh, red and gold next year. Cardinal and gold. Cardinal and gold. My goodness. Sorry. Man, are you even a real Iowa Stater? You you <laughs> would have put in your, in your transfer gra- uh, graphic, you would have put always a cyclone, uh, even though you were leaving, you would, I'll always wear Cardinal and gold. I'll always bleed Cardinal and gold. I mean, look, I, I'm not a guy that's probably going to ever be put in charge of labeling the color wheel. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but no, I, I, I think it would, obviously it would be good to be able to land AJ, but you're right. Like there's going to be a lot of competition there. I think the thing that would just be so intriguing about him is that he seems like the kind of player that would take a lot of pressure off of other people because of his ability to stretch the floor. Like he is going to force so much, like so much attention and pull people away from the basket. And it's going to open things up for other people that Iowa state did not have this past season, a guy who is a constant threat all over the court. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, I mean, he, as good as Isaiah was, he wasn't that guy, you know, like he, oh, and, it, was, it was, we have to keep him away from where he wants to be. And as good as a player as Tyrese is, and as good of a prospect down the road as he is, AJ, from what I've seen and watching him is a better college basketball player today for the reason you just stated, in my opinion, he can get you 20 and make the game easier on everybody else. He can dish out 10 assists if you, if need be like, he just, offensively whatever you need him to do as a guard you can do it you can put him off the ball run him off of screens and create opportunities for himself and run action for counter action for other people off of that you can put the ball in his hand and let him make plays in the pick and roll you know there's really not much from a a guard position at the college level that he doesn't do at a high level so um i mean like i said if if they were to get him 
I think next year's team would be better than last year's team. I'm not saying they would go to the Sweet 16 because there's a lot of things that factor into something yeah. like that, but their margin for error would be up significantly on the offensive end of the floor. I love a player who, when you watch him play, you can like not realize or you're not paying any attention, and then all of a sudden you look at it, it's halfway through or you know three-quarters of the way through the second half, and you look at it and it's like, holy shit, they've got 20. He's got 25 points. Yeah, you know, no, it, like that's the kind of player AJ is where it's like all he's not going to like take over a game all the time in the way where it's like, man, you sit there and it's just like, dude, this guy is just he's owning the basketball game tonight. It's like, no, it's quiet. And then all of a sudden you look at the stat sheet and you're like, damn, like he. Yeah, he's he in the south. He killed yeah. you and you never even knew he was there. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think my one thing, though, is I don't we don't quite know where the, for, the front court situation is there. They had the kid from St. Bonaventure on campus this weekend. I'm, I'm not even going to try and say his name. Osun, I think, is his first name. Uh, but, you know, they I, I still think they need another piece down low just to, to yep. bolster that group. Five more fouls. They need another guy that can go and bang and rebound and, you know, play a, at a 10-foot level. And, uh, you know, it sounds like they're in the market to get a guy. But I know TJ, you know, he's not going to bring someone in if it's not the right fit of what he's looking for. So, Right. Hopefully they're able to add one more piece to the backcourt, one more piece to the front court, and, and I think if they do that, as rough of a spring as it's all been on us with all the ups and downs, I, I actually think we should be fairly optimistic about what next year could look like. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 100 percent all right let's get to your uh let's get to the rules the trans the rules of the transfer transfer portal as brought to you by scott christopherson the unwritten rules if you violate them you might take a fastball to the head yeah i i feel like you know there's there's a lot of a lot out there about uh you know what type of rules we need for nil and in the transfer portal and i was just sitting around you know i'm, I'm kind of paging through twitter and seeing what people are putting out there and I just thought there was a couple of things that probably need to be stated and, and they can just serve as the unwritten rules of the transfer portal. I know we don't have like, a, you know, in baseball, if you violate them, obviously you can, you know, maybe take one to the shoulder blade the next time you come up to the plate. I don't know what the equivalent of that would be in basketball, but we'll get into uh, that. So you get uh you get what Dylan Brooks did to Gary Payton Jr. And uh, you get, tackled into the stanchion on a breakaway layup that's what you get for violating the unwritten rules i i, I love i i like that guy i mean i really do like nil and in the transfer portal and obviously we've talked a lot about it but some of these guys and i i'm not even talking like 
you just see some of these players putting stuff out there like, guys, we're embarrassing ourselves a little bit. You know, like, let's get – I get it. It's the new shiny toy, but, like, there just needs to be a little bit of, like, I'm just going to get into it. So rule number one, you may not consider more than 25 schools at one time. And I think that that's a very generous number. And I don't know who the player was. There was a kid that put out that he was considering 34 schools. I don't know how that's even possible. How can you consider that many places at one time? And, and I'm going to add another one. If you can't name the mascot at the school, you can't consider it. And nobody knows 34 mascots. Or at least properly say the name. You don't even know how many times I've seen, oh, uh, received an offer from University of Iowa State. Right. You know, when, I, when we say receiving interest, like, I'm just really kind of curious on what what is the definition of interest? Like, you have 34 schools that have offered you a scholarship, or do you remember a school being at an AU game when you were a junior in high school, and that is still considered interest? Because, I don't know, that just seems like a lot. Or is my- it is it a coach sent you one message? You Correct. know, he DM'd you on Twitter when he saw you were in the portal, and that's it. Yeah, Correct. I right. and I here. I'll I'll add an addendum to it. If you're uh, considering more than ten schools, you cannot put out a graphic uh, with your all of your schools that you're considering. My right. top my top fifteen, you know, and then you got to <laughs> cut out. You got to cut five off. My top ten. You cut five more. My top five, and then of course you've <laughs> got to do one more. Cut the finalists. Your top three, and then everybody will know you know, you'll say, okay, I'm going to announce on Friday, you know, two days before or something. And then the next day, everybody will know, okay, well, the top three is now a top two and it's cut down to these two. These are where <laughs> one, one of these two is where he's going to go, but everybody already knows which one of the two he's probably going to go to. And it's been a whole charade the entire time cutting these lists down because he's going go to go. I will say we did discuss this. That would make a very compelling spinoff of like The Bachelor where, I mean, if we had 34 coaches and they were all like, there was like rose ceremonies or hat ceremonies and like we did like the one-on-ones and then we've got coaches having drama over interrupting one-on-one time in like the group dates. Like I actually think you would get a lot of viewership to watch something like that. Imagine the drama. The first time a kid, he pulls out a hat tosses it aside and then puts on a different hat and uh you know it and then just the chaos that would ensue and i'll throw my name in there to host the show because very few people would enjoy making fun of the whole situation as much as i would and it, so i i'll take i'll take three months off of work bite that bullet and uh, host the show if we can get abc to to sign off on something like that and it would make it even better if it's a guy who's like you know, averaged like eight points a game at, uh, I don't know, Northern Arizona (laughs) or Grand Canyon. He averaged eight points a game for Grand Canyon and he's got 52 schools vying for him. You know, (laughs) basically every school in the power five wants this kid. 
and it's like it, they then there's the interviews with the coaches before and they're like yeah i don't know like we don't really even have any scholarships open we were just kind of <laughs> we were kind of just you know rooting around seeing worst case we're scenario just here for the someone. pool party and the, the free cocktail hours yeah i don't know i heard there's free champagne so i just <laughs> i just came through uh yeah no that would be that would be something else all right what what's the next one all righty a transfer announcement shall not be more than two paragraphs long. And nobody got time for that. And and to be honest with you, even if you want to go into the second paragraph, nobody's reading it. Uh, hey, respect to Gabe Kalsher. The, there was no paragraph to read. The man hey. said, he said, he put out his announcement. He just said, run it back. And that's it. You know, he didn't need the... He didn't need the frills of a, of three paragraphs or whatever, or make a whole explanation. I'm coming back. That's it. Our Armando Baycott is already my favorite non-Iowa State player in college basketball for next year uh-huh. because I mean he's a guy that I don't even know what did he even do? Did he get All American anything last year? Like I mean he was really good. I don't. I mean he had uh, all the accolades. I guess is where I'm going with this. Like he's he's a guy that legitimately has NBA interest. I'm sure. And he just said, I'm back. We didn't, no melodrama, just I'm back. It was very sweet, simple, and to the point. Well, that is out like a, I think he did put out like a, look at. he did put out like a three minute video, I think. I didn't see that. But right. yeah, no, but he did put out the release there, nor the North Carolina basketball thing, put out the, you know, the Michael Jordan press release, I'm back. So that, you know, I, I, I he, take got, my he gets half a back. Point. He's not the model. Gosh, I half get my hope. Have you seen what Armando's oh, been up to? Do it right. And now there's some video that I didn't even. Have see. you seen, seen what Armando's been up to the last couple of weeks? Hasn't he been working out with the big from Kentucky? Well, yeah, he was, uh, he was shooting a cameo for outer banks, the Netflix show. Uh, <laughs> so he, he apparently is going to be in season three of outer banks which I have not watched that show, but I might have to watch it just to see what Armando Baycott brings to the table. Uh, I haven't even the heard program. of the show, but yeah. I, I am, I am a big fan of his game. I mean, I will say watching North Carolina in the tournament, like I really liked his game. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there know. was, then there was the picture of him and Oscar Shibway, uh in the lab. I think it said in the lab or something like that together. You know, did you see what the ball looked like in Oscar Shibway's hands? <laughs> was that Calipari in the back with uh one of those chat like big happy Gilmore checks for uh Baycott I, I thought I saw that he just looked at he looked a zero short I I'm mean, a little disappointed in Cal you he usually spares no expense I I want my check today I'll take <laughs> yes. I'll take one of those big ones <laughs> they they you've got Armando Baycott driving around in his his Ferrari from Chapel Hill Ferrari you know uh part of, part of his NIL deal I mean if Just, I'm Hubert Davis and I see he's with uh Oscar Shibwe like my blood pressure immediately skyrockets because I'm just like there there's very little good that can come out of this imagine if Armando Baycott and Oscar Shibwe were on the same team what the rebounding would look like in that game it would be them fighting each other for every rebound i was gonna say i mean if you're coaching a team with those two as your bigs i'm telling the three guards on the court as soon as the shot goes up just start running down on offense yeah you don't need to worry about the long rebounds they've got it oscar and armando we're spending the whole summer working on full court outlet passes like kevin love used or used to do where he would catch it and immediately throw it with one hand to lebron james all the way down the floor yeah, that's the entire offense. 
get the ball and everybody else just sprint the other way. Correct. Yeah. All right. Next, next rule. Upon entering the portal and voluntarily leaving a university, the player shall not be allowed to publicly announce they will always be a part of that university. They may state they will always appreciate the university, but upon transferring, you are no longer a insert school mascot. Self-explanatory. I think I'm, uh, there's just is there's got to be loyalty. You know, you can uh, yeah, you can have appreciation, but appreciation, yeah, absolutely. Don't, don't blow smoke up our asses. You know, we're not. That's not what we need. You don't break up with someone and then say, "But I'll always love you." You break up and you move on. That's I just think that the, happens all the time. Otherwise, they're holding on to hope. Okay, just cut us. Yeah, just get, just give a clean break and just move on. You know. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. All okay. right. Any coach responsible for running a program that is bribing kids with six-figure or larger NIL deals shall not publicly comment on their concern over the transfer portal and NIL. The Bill Self rule. <laughs> the Bill Self rule. Or or uh, the Lane Kippen rule, or, uh, well, I guess the Nick Saban rule. It could be any of them. Anybody who sounded the alarm uh, of why this is bad for college basketball and then immediately turned around and done that exact thing. Yeah. No, I, I mean, and I think that's just where having a little self-awareness. I, I understand they're asking you a question and you're being asked to, to comment on it. But, I mean, and let's be honest, you were handing out NIL deals before – you're also under investigation for handing out NIL deals before they were legal. So, right. I mean, you know, I think we're all rolling our eyes a little bit, Bill. And I like you. You can really coach, but you can do better than that. Yeah, especially when uh, guys are sitting in prison for what basically is happening right now yeah. and is legal. Your uh, fault guys. Or yeah. allegedly for allegedly defrauding the universities, you know, like get the hell out of here. It's the most, man, it I was right. I wrote about that yesterday. I was like, it's just like get Christian Dawkins' ass out of prison today. Because right. this is the most ridiculous charade of the justice system, I think, that I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. All righty. Next rule up. When a player announces their final list of schools they are considering, they will under no circumstances post a picture of themselves in their former team's uniform. This will be referred to as the still too soon rule. Uh, I, my favorite one is when, when someone does it and then they Photoshop the words off. <laughs> so it's just them in like a, a like non-branded version of their jersey. But it's like you can clearly see what jersey it is you know or an even better one is if they turn the jersey into like a gray with a question mark in the middle that's that's what we need everybody just needs to be a gray question mark correct yes you uh again back to the dating analogy it's like you don't post a, a picture with the person you broke up with like yeah. two days ago right i mean yeah anyway with a, with a caption uh <laughs> i miss you but i'm looking for my next one or something right, you know right? like or like some drake lyrics or something like that <laughs> um all righty no player shall announce they are weighing their nba draft options if in fact they are not mentioned in an nba mock draft also of note the mock draft reference shall not be made by the player themselves a family member or an aau coach so it can't be where they've done hours of digging on the internet and found uh 
NBA scout dot net or something right. like that. And it's uh, some guy who has two clicks on his, uh, on his blog with his mock draft. Right. I mean, it's, it's the player knowing he's got to come back to college, but just wanting like the, the, the day of attention of like, well, I'm considering my NBA draft options. You know, it's like, but you don't have any, you're not considering anything. Counterpoint. But to class and we'll see you at 5am workout tomorrow. Counterpoint. I do think there is some value there because I do think there's value in kids getting other people's eyes on them to say, Hey, this is where you could continue to grow, you know, especially if you're someone who can get an agent that can line up workouts for you and they can like critique you, you know, and give you feedback. It's not, well, there's nothing wrong with getting some feedback. From that would, people be, at the a, next that level. would be a player actually having some, in, some, some, some interest though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here, let me ask you this. Can it be where, okay, we maybe know this guy's not going to be able to go to the NBA today, but he can probably go to the NBA next year, you know, and he just wants to test – he's going to go and test the waters and work out for some people just to get the feedback and want to know, like, okay, this is what you need to work on when you come back, you know? Because Iowa State's had guys like that where they'll test the waters and go work out for teams and then come back, and it's like, okay, it was mostly just about going to find out where they wanted to see me continue to grow, you know? Yeah, I mean, I am all in favor of players that have the potential to play in the NBA, but they're a year or two away, you know, getting the information that they need to, to, to improve their game. I just, again, when you're making it a public service announcement to like, let us all know, I think that's far different from like privately just going and getting that feedback, knowing you're not ready, but then like getting to work on those things. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, here's where, what a, a possibility or something that I think would be cool. What, you know, they do, I think the NBA top 50 camp for high school kids. Yes. Why don't they do an NBA top 50 camp for college kids where you get the top 50 players in the country and they all go to this camp and they have NBA scouts and NBA personnel there. And it's like, none of them are going to be in the draft this year, but this is the 50 best players coming back next year that we think are going to be the guys or whatever, whatever number top 100, you know, and it's like, get those guys an opportunity to go and play for NBA scouts, but they're not actually declaring for the draft. It's like, everyone knows, okay, these guys will not be in this draft right now today, but yeah. we're just getting eyes on them and everyone can get some feedback. We'll have NBA people there that are running the camp that are going to give feedback to kids. And you can kind of do that kind of thing. If there is a way to get college players more information on things that professional decision makers think they need to improve on i'm all in favor of it all right i'm gonna become the ringleader of the in of the college edition of the nba top 100 camp we're gonna have it at uh at wells fargo arena and veterans auditorium here in downtown des moines the best players in college basketball flocking to des moines iowa for to be the center of the basketball universe for one week we've uncovered more in this podcast than i intend than i originally thought we would I'm an ideas guy, Scott. I got all kinds of ideas. Um, all righty. So this next one, I saw that we had a, a, a rule change last week. Mm -hmm. And I have a – I don't like the flop warning issue. So this is where I think – this is where the flop warning belongs in college basketball. If a player enters the portal and returns to their original school, they shall be issued a flop warning. Those are the only flop warnings that we need – in college basketball oh man that's a good one dude the flop warning thing is gonna be a is gonna be ridiculous it, 
it's gonna decide it like this is what's gonna happen it's gonna decide a game like a close game do you remember who were they playing last year i want to say it was texas tech at home in a I, I was it jazz that shot a corner three and he accidentally when he went up to shoot his elbow hit the player's face as he went up to shoot yeah and we had to spend like four minutes or five minutes reviewing and i'm sitting there watching the game it's a close one possession game and i'm like they're literally thinking about issuing a guy like a one of those elbow deals where his elbow accidentally hits the guy's face they're 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 they're, they're contemplating issuing like a flagrant foul for that mm-hmm. which would have potentially decided that game and that would it didn't thankfully but like this is where the whoever runs the college basketball officiating committee deal and like what they put the points of emphasis on we need to do better i can already tell you right now john, you know it's going to be john higgins officiating first game for iowa state season opener <laughs> second possession of the game jazz is going to try and take a charge against whoever it is mississippi valley state or mississippi delta state or whatever the hell it is yeah. you know someone like that and uh get called for a flop technical on the second possession of the game. And it's going to be like, what in the hell is this? You know, there were so many big 12 games last year where on both sides, I'm not even saying it was just against Iowa state, but there were 40 foul potential foul calls missed where like guys are just, I mean, it just becomes a slug fest because Bob Huggins is like, you're not going to call fouls every play. So we're just going to, you know, we're just going to get up and rough them up. And then we would just have like, but then we, so we miss those, but we get three flop warnings in throughout the game. Like when I talk about just focusing on restoring a little bit of common sense to college officiating, like that would be a gripe that I have is like, and we don't stop worrying about flop warnings and start worrying about just calling like common sense fouls, please. Did you, did you see who the president of the NCAA men's basketball rules committee is? I have no idea. No, Bob Huggins. <laughs> no way. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I, it's going to be Rick Barnes. Coach, awesome personality. Yeah. Not probably the guy I would put in charge of. Uh, wow. It's Rick Barnes next year, but this year it was it was Bob Huggins. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious when I read that uh, when I read the quote from him in the press release. I was like, "You got to be kidding me that what, that Bob Huggins is in charge of the rules committee." Uh, but, but no, I am one hundred percent with you. We've got a lot bigger issues with college basketball, and they. I tweeted this out after. I was like, I respect the committee's commitment to f- either fixing or like muddying, even muddying the rules that are just a little bit annoying about college basketball while blatantly ignoring the things that actually make college basketball a hard thing to watch sometimes, you know, like, like they're adding another TV timeout to each half. There's going to be five media breaks. Why? Like since everybody's first thought when they watch college basketball is man, I don't know if there's enough breaks in the action, you know, (laughs) that's what I was thinking all year. I just, I I didn't want to say it publicly, but I I would watch the games and I'm just be like, you know what? I could use a few more commercials. Right. Right. Everybody could. All right. What's do you got any more? Um, I I've got a couple more that I'm working on, but they're not quite ready for publishing. So I'm going to, I'll, I'll save them. Maybe we'll, I'll release them at a later episode. All right, man. You, uh, you've been watching the playoffs at all? The NBA playoffs? Yeah, I've been trying to watch some, I've been watching the bucks. I mean, I, I'm a 
fair weather Bucks fan for sure, but uh, love Giannis and they're they know they've got a chance I think again this year. So it's good to see them uh, playing well. I haven't gotten to watch uh, as much as I would like, but I think now in the next month I should be able to watch a little bit more. They need to get Chris Middleton back. That's all I know. Uh, he's got a few. It's going to be a couple of weeks, right? Like an MCL sprain. Yeah, I think they said that he's going to miss this whole series, and yeah. they're, they're against the ropes now, aren't they? Aren't, what is it, two-two in that series? Two-two. Yeah, I. Well, I know they won on Sunday. Did they play? Didn't they win on Sunday? It was one-one. I want to say they're up two-one. Well, they lost last night. Oh, did they? I didn't see that. It's yeah, it's two-two now. Okay, so they're not they're not against the ropes yet. Yeah, only one that's about to be eliminated probably is the Grizzlies. Unfortunately, it's a fun team. But all right, man, man. John Morant is that guy is like a human highlight reel. Holy Dude, he's he's oh. different. But, but hey, <laughs> I give them a lot of credit because last night they had every opportunity to get their asses kicked without him. You know, in yeah. in San Francisco, and they led the most of that game. I mean, right until the very end, and then uh, there it turns out that when you don't have your best player in the final minutes, no one knows what to do on offense. So yeah, this is a tough, tough look, but no. <laughs> All right, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Hopefully we'll be able to get an interview or something lined up and then uh, we'll go from there. Sound good. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace.